Hi, welcome to episode 520 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and after this podcast, I'm going to pex it, break away from my pants. Today is Fantastic Four 520 from January 2004, Rising Storm Part 1 by Mark Wade and Mike Weringo. So I've been on a break for a couple of weeks with computer trouble, so I couldn't post any podcast. But I did read a slew of issues and took notes, so for a while these podcasts should be coming out pretty quickly, one right after the other. And it's an exciting day for me here at the Fantastic Forecast. There are 23 issues of the Fantastic Four that I have never read. I used to own the DVD-ROM of FF issues that ended with issue 519, so I've never read the end of the Mark Wade mike Weringo run. And after that, J. Michael Straczynski wrote the book, and I've never read those issues. And he's my least favorite writer ever. He totally ruined Spider-Man forever. And so I've never been inclined to go back and read those issues. But now that I'm doing this podcast, I can read them and make fun of how shitty his issues are. I assume they are. But first, I have to make it through the final five Wade Weringo issues. And we start with Galactus arriving back on Earth. And Alien has created a device to make planets invisible to Galactus, so he can't find them, and he can't eat them. So Galactus wants to use the powers of the Invisible Woman to help him find his next meal. It's kind of like a drug-sniffing dog, only it's not a dog, it's a person. And it's not drugs, it's planets. But last issue, to trick the aliens, Reed used a device to switch the invisible powers of Sue and the Human Torch powers from Johnny from one to the other, and now Galactus has come for Johnny instead. In the process, he knocks Reed, Ben, and Sue off the building, and Sue has to use her new flame powers to fly down and catch Ben, accidentally burning him in the process. You know, I think Ben could have survived that fall. He didn't need to be burned. Are they actually thinking about the people standing on the street below who might be crushed? Well, that's unusual. Sue has to let him go, but Reed grabs Ben with a long, stretchy arm, and he's lowered safely down to the street. Why are people standing on the street right outside the Baxter building? I tell you what, if I lived in the city, at the first sign of trouble at the Baxter building, I'm getting on the first path train to New Jersey. For crying out loud. Johnny rambles on and on about how he could turn invisible and escape, but figures he'd need help finding his way back home. And he really needs to use the bathroom, too. I guess the Big G hasn't taken away Johnny's junk, the way he took away the junk of all his other previous heralds. The Silver Surfer, no Wee Wee, Terax, no Wee Wee, Nova, no Puss Puss, and Johnny's just a person, unlike Galactus, and people are people, they have needs, other than needing to eat planets, and Johnny needs to pee. I know how he feels. It's like when I used to take long car trips with my family, like in a 10 hour drive, my dad would never stop until we needed gas. It'd be like, I'd have to hold my pee for like 4 or 5 hours sometimes. Kids today are so lucky. If their dads try to torture them with stuff like that, they could just call 911 and have them arrested. So Johnny decides to look around Galactus's ship, looking for the little boy's room. I guess it'd be more like the big boy's room. Johnny hops on a force field and starts flying around the place. This is something odd I've noticed about Sue and her powers during the Wade run. It's like her force fields, and now Johnny's force fields, allow them to fly. The force fields don't fly. That's not part of the powers. It's not like the Silver Surfer surfboard. The force fields have always been more like Iceman's ice slides. 
It has to be anchored to the ground, and it lifts up Sue and moves her wherever. But now Johnny's flying around on the force field, just like Sue's been flying around the force fields. Suddenly, an alarm goes off, and he's ejected out of the spaceship into the vacuum of space. He saves himself with the force field, but he feels like a dog that's been let out into the yard. I guess the Big G expects him to go do his business out in space. Just make a little hole in the force field big enough for uh, the body part to go through and pee directly out into the vacuum of space. That sounds like fun. But before Johnny can take the piss, he gets attacked by Karagan, the Unforgiving. He's tracked down Galactus because, get this, Galactus slept with his wife. Oh wait, that's not right. Get this, Galactus destroyed his world. That crazy Galactus, what a character. He burns, he burns a lot of bridges, that guy. And he drinks the rivers underneath. So Kerrigan the Unforgiving is having a hard time forgiving Galactus. So Kerrigan the Unforgiving is having a hard time forgiving Galactus. I wonder if he gave himself that name before or after his world was destroyed. Back on Earth, Sue is trying to take a shower, but she's having a hard time keeping her flames under control. She also hasn't taken off her uniform yet. So she's not quite sure what she's doing. She has a flashback to when they were kids and Johnny was bouncing a basketball in the house, knocking over furniture and tilting many of the paintings on the walls. And she's nagging Johnny, as women tend to do, with their annoying shrill voices. It's probably her time of the month. Aren't women the worst? I don't really believe that. But as I said before, I'm trying to trump up this podcast for more support. And she notices on the table that Johnny got some flowers for Mother's Day and made a sandwich and got her some chips for her for dinner with a note saying, for the best sister in the whole world. I thought RuPaul was the best sister in the whole world. Just then, a ball comes in and knocks the flowers over and Sue's like, eh, that's okay. Back in the present, Reed is putting Ben in a spacesuit, a deep space survivor suit and flight suit. He's going to help us out, Ben asks. Reed replies, I told him to consider it back rent. Whoever this person is used to have an office in the Baxter building. Huh. Who used to have an office in the Baxter building? Moon Knight? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Reed turns the spacesuit on, and Ben is floating around the room, getting dizzy, saying, Reed, stop this crazy thing. Ben takes off the spacesuit and heads to his bedroom, which, seeing his bedroom makes me realize, nobody at any time has ever tried to draw a consistent interior to the Baxter building. Reed's labs, the living room, the bedrooms, the kitchen, everything is constantly changing. Nothing is ever drawn the same way twice, issue to issue. Like with Spider-Man, the inside of Peter Parker's apartment was always seemed consistent. I still remember Peter's apartment from the 1970s and 80s with that big wire spool table and the dime store Indian. And of course, when you see the inside of the Batcave or Superman's Fortress of Solitude, you know exactly where you are. In all these years, I remember nothing. No piece of furniture, no decorations, nothing recognizable from issue to issue ever inside Fantastic Four headquarters. I see the four of them together in a room, and I just assume they're in the Baxter building. Even that big statue of the Submariner that Sue had installed pretty recently only showed up for like one issue and was gone. The inside of the Baxter building is really a visually boring place. When they finally bring the FF back, they need to jazz up the inside of the Baxter building and make it cooler, more interesting, and look more memorable. So back to our story. The phone rings and Ben answers it, and it's Alicia asking what's going on. Ben fills her in, 
And they also mentioned that special telephone that Reed made for Ben with large buttons for his big, thick, rocky fingers. Modern technology must be really frustrating for Ben. There's no way he could ever use a cell phone. No way he could text. No way for him to use Grinder. I mean, Tinder. This is followed by a flashback to the night of Ben and Alicia's first date. And they're sitting alone in Alicia's art studio, which is weird seeing her studio when it's not filled with thing statues. She's got statues of old bearded men? And I see one of a long-haired, muscular, shirtless guy with a sword and a shield. Are these her ex-boyfriends? I mean, who are these people? And how did she get her curious little hands all over this hunky, shirtless guy with a sword? Alicia, Alicia says that first dates have always been awkward. And Ben replies, Nah, it's just, I'm not much of a ladies' man. Not much of a ladies' man? No shit! He says he likes her statues, and that... They're exquisite. I guess he noticed a hunky shirtless guy. And she thanks him, and they sit there awkwardly for, him for a while. You know, she should say something sexy like, I really like to get my hands on rock. Hard, hard rock. And that'll jumpstart the evening for sure. After more awkward silence, he compliments her perfume. And then outside the window, Johnny makes out these words in fire that say, Kiss her, you lummox. And Ben does. First of all, the fact that Johnny is outside the window spying on Ben and Alicia is really, really creepy. Is he sitting out there because he wants to watch this beautiful woman get it on with a disgusting rock monster? Who would want to see that? Maybe someone who watches Ron Jeremy movies. I know, it's gross. And Ben's mouth is so big. It's so huge. He has to keep it shut while they kiss or her entire head would go inside. Ugh. So back on the roof of the Baxter building, in the present, the FF are waiting for their ride to space, and he shows up, and it's Quasar. He was the one who had the office in the Baxter building. I didn't expect that. I didn't know the FF had any prior connection to Quasar. Has he ever even been in this book before? Maybe a cameo during the Infinity War crossovers. I don't know. And I'm not going to look it up. Moving on, Quasar puts the FF in a yellow force bubble, He's pretty much a Green Lantern ripoff with yellow energy. I guess that makes him a member of the Sinestro Corps. And he flies off into space with the FF in tow. And back in space with Johnny and Alien Guy. What's his name? Karagan the Unmemorable. No, Karagan the Unforgiving. He's trying to stab Johnny with a giant sword. But Johnny's holding him back with a force field. And then Johnny gets aggressive, yelling, Back off! And he uses his uh, force field powers to rip Karagon apart. Literally, he rips the skin off of Karagon's muscles, the muscles from his bones, exposing Karagon's guts. It's pretty gross. So Johnny pushes all the parts back together, and somehow, the guy is still alive. But as you can imagine, he's now terrified to death of Johnny. Johnny lowers Karagon down to the nearest planet, assuming it's his home planet, and he leaves him there. Karagon says nothing. He's just shivering in fear. Johnny rises back up into space, and he wonders how he did that. He asks himself, if this is the power cosmic, what am I becoming? Well, he's becoming a dude that can rip people in half and put them back together again. That's kind of cool. So anyway, that's all I have for now. To be continued next time. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, 
You can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott at PodcastFF. You can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Mm-hmm.